Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. If you would open your Bibles to Psalm 145. Tonight I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. You know, we've got a kind of a theme going on here this evening of God speaking about Him being involved in our lives. He's building something. He's making something into a thing of beauty. And we've heard some testimonies about how God's doing transformation. There are new things that He has proven Himself faithful to His promises. Let's look at uh, verse 1 of Psalm 145. I will extol you, O my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. Loving kindness is a covenant term. It's, you know, that's something that we're not real familiar with. We just think, oh, that's just a way of saying that God's nice. But loving kindness is a covenant, it's covenant terminology. When it's using this term, this is not talking about that God's provision and love for all of his creatures you know jesus taught us about how you know the um the lilies of the field are clothed and the birds of the you know the birds of the air find their provision for food from the hand of god and but we're not talking about god's love for general creation or for his general um care but loving kindness is talking specifically about his love towards those he is in covenant with the attitude that God has towards those he's in covenant with is different than the attitude he has towards everybody else is just creation. We understand that God loves all, but loving kindness is how he has described the heart attitude towards his covenant people. In covenants, you have a weaker person, a weaker party, who is seeking the protection and the uh, provision of the stronger one, right? They're seeking the blessing of the stronger. And the stronger person in the covenant is made the promises to care for and take care of for the protection and the blessing. But his, it's based upon relationship. It's not just a regimented, legal, binding situation, but it's based upon relationship. And so the in the covenant, yes, the stronger party agrees to do these things for the weaker party, but it does. he is free to do so at his own timing in a matter that he sees fit. How do we know that God has come through many times for us in a way that we didn't see coming? That there was something we didn't know what he was going to do and we thought it was going to come this way and instead, no, 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 it came this other way. Well, you know what? I found out that if you put God in a box, he jumps out every time. And what, what we are seeing in covenant, we're in relationship with him, but we're not going to limit him to how he wants to keep his promises to us. Isn't that right? Sometimes we have stubbornly held on to an idea that we've had when God was trying to get us to let go of the idea because the idea wound up becoming an idol in our hearts. 
right? Because we thought that's how it's going to be, you know? This is called an idol. This is creating God in your image. When, well, God, I want you to do it according as I have said. And you know what? we got to say, God, you're going to keep your promises. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. Because remember, even when Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to conceive and give birth to Jesus, you know, all she said was, I don't know how this is going to work, but be it unto me according to your word. She didn't understand how that was going to happen. She didn't try to limit God. She just said, God, whatever you want to do is fine with me. We've seen in the scripture that sometimes other people have tried to finagle a deal with God. What happened with Abraham and the first son that he had was the Ishmael, right? How'd that deal come about? Because his wife said, sleep with Hagar. He said, okay. And that's how that worked. And so wound up with Ishmael. And for a long time, for years and years, he thought Ishmael was a son of promise, didn't he? Do you know that God had something better for him? And sometimes it's the thing that you and I are holding desperately onto that we're thinking, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. And God's trying to get you something better than what you originally could come up with yourself. How do you know the Bible teaches us that it is not entering to the heart of man the things that God has for those who love him, right? Do you know that God has got something better than what you and I can come up with? Now, I can come up with some good stuff. How about you? Can you come up with some good stuff? But you know what? His ways are higher, the scripture says in Isaiah, right? His ways are better. And it's been a real, it's been a real thrill and a joy when we watch the Lord's creativity come to pass in solving problems. Isn't that fun? It was certainly not boring. So, loving kindness, it implies personal involvement and commitment in a relationship. Loving kindness is not just the slot machine. It's not just fill out the form and get what you want. But there is relationship that's involved in there. Loving kindness means strength, steadfastness, and love. So God says, it says here in the scripture that he is slow to anger and great in strength, steadfastness, and love. And that is the heart attitude that he has towards you and me as covenant people. It's an attitude of loving kindness, of strength, of steadfastness, and love. It sounds very similar to a marriage covenant, doesn't it? That is the intent. It's not just to be strong for one another. It's not just to be steadfast to one another, but it's also the love is relationship to two. And that's important because sometimes we just say, well, it's just, you know, the love of God. But love has been so watered down sometimes to where we don't really perceive the consistency, the fidelity that also goes along with love in a covenant, all right? This word speaks of rights and obligations, but also of generosity. God is only sending you with details. He is generous, and it says that's his heart attitude. Didn't Jesus say, fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? And the Lord says, the Bible says he has richly given us all things to enjoy. There is, we see through the scriptures, a picture of the Lord's generosity over and over. The Lord is loyal to us, but he's also merciful. So loving kindness implies also loyalty, but mercy. Because that's how his heart is towards us, is one of tenderness. Let's look at verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. 
All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. How many of you have ever been picked up when you... Yes, been picked up more than once, right? Or even in the place of desperation and despair, found sustaining strength from him. All right. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. I love this psalm because you see such of the heart of God in it. And in verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. The word good here does not mean righteous, and it doesn't mean holy. You know? Sometimes we talk about, well, He's a good guy. You know? Or it was a good meeting. And what are we talking about? Not necessarily righteousness or holiness. But goodness, the goodness of God, is that part of of that aspect of his nature that disposes him to be kind, to be cordial, to be benevolent, to be full of goodwill towards men. I love that. To be kind. It's that part of his nature, the aspect that he is predisposed to be kind, to be cordial, to be benevolent and full of goodwill. It means that the Lord is tender-hearted and sympathetic, that he is open, he's frank, and he's friendly. I like the idea of God being friendly. I think so much of the time religion has painted a picture of God being very unfriendly and being very negative and, and you know, all those kinds of things that put people in a lot of, in a lot of um, fear and doubt. But his goodness means that he is inclined to bestow blessedness. Now, what happens, don't we use that terminology when somebody has done something very kind for us? Many times don't we respond is, well, that was good of you. Well, you're such a good guy. You know, sometimes we'll say that was sweet. What we're implying is we're saying that you are good. You were friendly towards me. You were generous. You were benevolent to, towards me. It, the goodness of God is the drive behind him to want to bless us. See, God does want to do good things. He enjoys it. How many of y'all know that the Bible says it's better to give than to receive? Isn't that right? And isn't it fun? Isn't it a lot of fun to be able to give to other people? And you feel so happy to do that. And particularly when you know it has met a need that person had, right? When you have stepped in and you know this was something, whether it was a, they had a bill that needed to be paid or maybe it was something that you knew was a heart's desire and you had the ability to provide that and give it to them. Well, where do we think the attitude comes from? 
That attitude comes from the Lord because he has that same thing. We're his children, and he enjoys being able to bless us because he likes the way it makes him feel. God takes a holy pleasure in being able to bless his people. Hallelujah. I'm loving this. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. God's goodness is self-caused. Nobody's having to talk him into it. You know, you don't have to talk God into being good because he is. That's just who he is. I love this. He can, he has never been more kind than he is right now. And he will never be less kind than he is right now. His, his goodness does not vary like you and me. Our, our goodness depends upon how we feel that day. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know. If, you know, we don't feel like being generous today, we don't feel like being benevolent, then we're, many times we're not. But God's generosity, his generosity of heart is that this is how he is at all times. The Lord is good and his mercies are over all his works. If, let's flip over and look at Isaiah 63. The Lord's goodness towards us and his motivation to bless us means that we don't have to talk him into stuff. It also means that his goodness towards us is unmerited. It's not based upon what, because, you know, we had our ducks in a row, right? God is good to us because he chooses to be good to us. Why does he love you? Because you're so lovable? No, he loves you because he chooses to love you, right? So it's unmerited. And that's why it's so wonderful that when we can praise the Lord, what are we saying? Lord, you are good, and your mercies endure forever. And we can praise him, not because we have earned something from him, but because of the generous generosity of his heart. He has shown us his kindness and his mercy. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 63, verse 7, I shall make mention of the loving kindnesses of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has granted them according to his compassion and according to the abundance of his loving kindnesses. The loving kindnesses, this is the heart attitude. You know, our faith is in him, it's in his character, it's in his goodness. And sometimes, you know, our, our vision has been clouded and we're not seeing the goodness of God. But we can take strength and comfort from the scriptures. Do you know what? I don't care how tough your life is. It could be a hundred times worse than it is right now. It really could be. You know, it is the goodness of God that has been a shield. Because if the devil had his way, what would your life look like right now? You'd be dead. Uh, I mean, let's look at it. How, how about y'all heard of Job, right? Job was a very prosperous man. He was a, he was a good guy, right? And then that one really bad day when he gets one bad report after the other. Everything's been stolen. All your kids are dead. Everything's demolished. The only thing left is I'm the only one left to come bring you the bad news. You see, the devil will leave somebody to come bring the bad news, right? So he had a, he had a terrible time, and he finally got down to the point to where, you know, he would not curse God. His wife said, oh, just curse God and die, but he wouldn't do it. He would not falsely accuse the Lord. He would not sin against the Lord. The Bible says that when he got news of this calamity, you know what he did? He worshipped. 
He worshiped. Folks, that is to be our attitude when you and I are facing hard, challenging. You get bad news. It doesn't work the way you thought. The attitude is worship. Job did not understand, but all he said was, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I'm worshiping. And that means even if I don't understand what is happening, I don't understand why it's worked out this way, I know that the Bible says that he is loving kind toward, kindness towards me, and he is good, so I will worship him, and I will praise him whether I'm feeling like it or not. I'm going to give him glory and honor because of who he is. Hallelujah. That's who he is. You know, he's even... He got to the point, Job got to the point to where not only was everything taken out of his life, every joy was taken from him. He was also covered with boils from head to foot. I mean, that is a miserable, miserable, miserable existence. You know, a friend of mine was telling one day, she says, you know, in the story of Job, she says, I noticed that the Lord told him, told Satan that he could touch everything except his life. And so he took everything that he loved. He, she says, I noticed he didn't take his wife. <laughs> but he didn't take his wife. But you know what? She, had, she was the person encouraging him, curse God and die. So, you know, she became, I mean, let's look at it. She became his enemy because she was not a source of encouragement or comfort to him. I mean, he's hurting. What's he need? He needs somebody to, you know, cry with him or something. And instead, she just said, well, just, you know, curse God and die. Make it worse, you know. I mean, <laughs> making things, you know, sometimes you go through a hard time, and sometimes the very people you thought you could count on, they're not there for you. You know what? Sometimes because God wants us to learn to just trust in him alone. Just trust in him alone. And so next thing you know, here comes Job's friends. All these friends come, and then they just start telling him, well, you must have, you must have brought this on yourself. This is your own fault. You must have really messed up. How many got friends like that? Don't raise your hand. Okay, well, <laughs> you got friends like that? You know, the thing is that this was a miserable place to be, but Job determined he was going to worship in the midst of it. And I encourage you to let that be your decision that no matter what, that you're going to go ahead and worship the Lord. In Psalms 27, it's a familiar scripture, verse 13. It says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what, folks? The devil wants to come to steal hope. But, you know, if we will focus upon the loving kindness and the goodness of the Lord, we'll know that we'll see his goodness. We'll see his goodness. You know, June was talking earlier during uh, a few moments ago. She was talking about the seasons that we go through in life. And what's the purpose? Is to grow us up, to mature us, to make us fruitful. There are some things that we go through for that express purpose is that we grow up, we mature, and we're faithful. That we develop and we develop Christ-likeness, becoming conformed to the image of Christ. Hallelujah. The word says there in verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. You know, this goes hand in hand with the scripture that says that when you have done all to stand, to stand therefore. When you've done it all, stand therefore. And in that, you know, that's the problem is sometimes we hadn't done it all. Sometimes we've only done part and God's wanting us to do all 
And then when you've done all that you can humanly do, all you can possibly do, then stand and wait for him. And to stand as Job did, to stand as the psalmist did, as Isaiah is saying, is to wait and see the goodness of the Lord. Why does the Lord hear our prayers? Because he's good. He's good. You know, the scripture talks about the other idols that men serve. It says they have eyes and they can't see. They have ears and they can't hear. You know what? And when we cry out and we sing songs and we pray, we cry out, hear us, O God. Hear my cry. Hear my prayer. On what basis are we asking him to do that? Because we know that he is good. That's why. We're saying, God, you will hear me because you are good. I'm anticipating your goodness shown in my life. Then the last verse of the 23rd Psalm, the psalmist says, Surely goodness and loving kindness, or mercy, the King James says, but it's the same word. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? Surely goodness will follow me. This is a promise. Surely is a promise, correct? This is what God has declared. It's going to, goodness is going to follow you. So you know what? When it's not looking too good right now, it doesn't make any difference because the Bible's already promised it's going, goodness is going to come. So light is going to be at the end of the tunnel. You and I might be going through a night season, through a dark season. We might be going through spiritual winter. We might be going through some kind of valley or challenge, whatever kind of metaphor you want to use. What it means is life is hard. You might be going through something, but you know what? The end result is Goodness and mercy, goodness and loving kindness is going to be demonstrated in my life. Hallelujah. You know, because God's friendly and he wants to be friends. Jesus has said, I'm not calling you servants, I'm calling you friends, right? So he's wanting to demonstrate that friendliness to us. What's happened is that sin has made us timid and self-conscious. When we have, when we have sinned, then we're not sure he's still going to be friendly to us. And so that's where people enter into the, oh God, oh God, oh God, praying. Oh, God, oh, God, please, 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 please. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. That kind of desperation prayer indicates you're not sure he's going to be good to you. You're not sure he's going to listen. You're not sure he's going to respond on your behalf. And, and then even when we sometimes we get into a place of, of seeing the greatness of God, we understand the magnificence. We begin to view the power of God. You know, that can make us afraid too. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is what? It's the fear of the Lord, right? To do good, to turn away from evil, this is good. And this is the fear of the Lord. But when we begin to see the awesome power of God, you know, that can make you nervous. I heard John Paul Jackson talk about he had a vision, an experience where he was caught up to the throne, throne room of God, and he saw God on the throne. He says, all I could think was, oh, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. He says, people think they're going to go up there and just go sit on his lap. He says, no, the holy, awesome power of God puts the fear of God in you. <laughs> and he said, I just, go, he says, the whole time I was there, he said, like a little, little thing going off in my brain, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. He says, I was drawn and fascinated by the love and the majesty of God. But on the other hand, it reminded me of what the Lord, uh, the scripture says in Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did Isaiah say? Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm in trouble. He's going to kill me. And that's the attitude because the power of God is so magnificent. You see, what, when people 
are flippant about the things of God is because they have no fear of God. Isn't that what Scripture says, right? They have no fear of God. And what's happened is that God has shielded himself so that we're not really seeing him. I mean, come on, if we saw the Lord on the throne every day, that would probably have a real lasting impact upon our lives. But we're not seeing that. He's shielded some of that from us. So right now, we get a chance to just decide to worship him and to serve him while all he's doing is showing us his love and his, mer- his mercy and his loving kindness. And we're not seeing him in his awesome power at this moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His goodness encourages us not to be afraid. When we have sinned and when we have been intimidated and we're not sure and we have that place of self-doubt, is he going to listen, is going to come through? If we will focus upon his goodness and his loving kindness, it's going to cause our hearts to have full assurance of faith. And we're going to rise up and say, you know what? He's going to treat me with goodness because that's who he is. I'm not worried about God coming to me in judgment or in wrath. The Bible says that he has reserved his wrath for his enemies. We've been called friends of God. He wants to be friendly towards me. So I'm going to look and expect to see his goodness come to pass in my life. Hallelujah. It's the paradox of faith. It's to have the fear of the Lord, but to not be afraid of God. It's to have that fear that's respect and makes you want to turn away from sin and those things. But it's also being having that trust in his goodness that makes us loving. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 23. Hallelujah. The goodness of the Lord. Our faith is not in ourselves and our abilities. Our faith is in Him, His character, and His goodness. Exodus 33, verse 18. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. When God reveals his goodness, he's telling Moses, my goodness is going to be demonstrated in my mercy and in my compassion. I'm going to be gracious to you. This is how you're going to know I'm a good God because I'm gracious. I'm going to show you compassion. What he is promising Moses, he says, is I'm going to be good to you. There was a, you know, there's been a couple of times that I've gone to talk to a person and I wasn't sure how they were going to respond to what I needed to talk to them about. And my heart's cry was, please be kind. Please be good. And so much of the time, that's what they've done. They've been kind towards me. They've been good towards me. And what has reassured my heart is I would say, you know what? This is a pretty you know, good person. This is a person I'm friendly with, a person who loves me. So I'm going to anticipate and expect and look forward to them being good to me. Hallelujah. And that's it. We had that same attitude towards the Lord that he says he's going to be good to us. So when, but Moses has asked him to show him his glory. He says, show, show me your glory. And the Lord says, you need a revelation of my goodness because my goodness is my glory. Hallelujah. Get a revelation of my goodness. The, the word glory, one of the definitions for glory is opinion. 
the opinion, like a high opinion. And so when Moses is saying, show me your glory, high opinion, another definition of the word means brightness. That's the Shekinah presence, right? The Shekinah presence, the brightness of the Lord. But he says, it's that brightness, that high opinion that is my goodness. And this is his glory. Because you know what? God didn't have to be good, but he is. Hallelujah. And he has chosen to demonstrate that. God is the only God who is good. There are so-called gods. But you know what? If you've even done just a, a brief glance at other world religions, their gods are mean. Their gods are not kind. They're not good. They don't forgive. And they have, they're arbitrary in how they behave. And people never know if they have pleased the right God that was talking um, to a man who was raised Hindu, who is now a Christian uh, minister. And he said, you know, in, in Hinduism, he says, we have a million gods. He says, you're never sure which one you might have ticked off. He says, so you're trying to bring sacrifices to anybody you think might have been in the neighborhood that maybe can help you out, maybe not hurt you. I thought, what a miserable way to live. He said, he, and he said, people in Hinduism are confused. Can you imagine trying to please a million gods? Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm so glad that the Lord our God, he is one, and he is good. His loving kindness has been demonstrated to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will even cause goodness to come to you and to come to me. In the story of when Joseph's brothers had sold him out, you remember? And... They had conspired against him. They had had him sold into slavery. And uh, for many years, I mean, he didn't have anything to do with them. And then later, after they had come to Egypt to come down to buy grain, and Joseph revealed that he was their long-lost brother, and they were so terrified that Joseph was going to get even with them for all the pain that they had caused him. And they were so afraid because now... They were kind of, he had the power to do it. He could have thrown them in prison. He could have had them executed. And they were afraid that he would be vengeful and that this is what he would do. But you know what, Mo, what uh, Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50? He says, yes, you meant it for evil. Yes, you did. That thing you did against me that was not right, and you meant it, you, out of, you had pure evil intent. He says, however, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. What you intended to be evil towards me, God actually meant for your salvation. You know what, folks? If our confidence is in the goodness and the loving kindness of God because we're in covenant with him, it doesn't matter what somebody else can do to you. It doesn't matter what circumstance you could find yourself in. God can take it and turn it and bring something of beauty out of it. Isn't that what it says in Romans 8? God can take it and turn it. How is he going to do so? He will take it and turn it when we worship in the midst of pain. You need to hear this. When we worship like Job did in the midst of pain. Because I believe that God can redeem any kind of mess. I believe that there is something good that can come out of any kind of mess. And there are some evil things that are being done. But if we will have our hope set upon his goodness, then we'll see that reciprocal action, we're going to see him respond. Now, folks, let me tell you, God is good, he is loving kindness, but he is looking for faith on the earth. And if we, if we are not responding in faith, 
during times of adversity and pain, you might not see the goodness of God like you would like to see it because he's looking for faith on the earth. And so if our attitude is, God, I will worship you in the midst of my pain. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, is what the scripture says. I will worship him in the midst of my pain. And God, I believe I will see your goodness. I would have despaired, right, if I had not believed. I will choose to believe that I will see your goodness. Folks, that's when you're going to see God's goodness. That's when he's going to come through. Job and his story, the Bible says that, you know, after all this long period of time when all this disaster happened and all of the questioning, the pain, the difficulty he was going through, and finally to the point to where he's like, I need to have a face-to-face with God because I don't understand why my life has turned out like this. It's just miserable, and I need him to do some explaining. Well, God came down and fixed that, right? <laughs> and God dealt with him. But you know, how does the book of Job end? God gave him back double everything that had been taken from him. Folks, sometimes I've heard Christians say, well, my life is just like Job. You know, everything horrible has happened to me. I'm like, well, if, you're, if your life is really like Job, then you won't sin with your mouth. You will worship, and you will see God's goodness at the end. But there's plenty of Christians, they're not doing that. All, the only part they got down was the suffering part. <laughs> Folks, it's the overcoming adversity part, Right? It's the worship him. It's believing in his goodness and knowing that he is not a man that he should lie and he will keep his covenant promises to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God will take it and make something good. You know, God will cause all things to work to us that even though the enemy may have come into your life, looks like, just like happened to Job, with pure evil intent. What was the enemy's goal with Job? was trying to get him to turn his back on God. That was the whole reason it happened. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. The devil is trying to get you to give up on God, give up on your faith. That's what the whole thing is, trying to get you to quit, right? But God will cause things to work out to where evil will not have its expected in or its desired in. You know what? I don't want the devil to win in any way, shape, or form. Not in any way. Not in any way. So we're going to worship and believe God in his goodness. Amen. We're going to see his goodness. You know that God wants us to be like him. He is friendly. He is benevolent. He is cordial. And he wants us to be the same as he is. Jesus said that we were to, uh, we were to be perfect even as our Father in heaven is perfect. You know, if you think about it, that we want to see God's goodness in our lives. You know what? God wants to see goodness in us going towards other people, looking for people to be a blessing. You know, I was listening, um, you know, some of y'all might have gotten that email this past week or whatever. It was talking about um, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And a friend of mine told me that there had been an interview on television from, from these gentlemen. And do you know that they have given away most of their fortune. And they gave it away to the very poorest people on the earth. And I was thinking, I would love to do that. How many of y'all would love to do that? Amen. Wouldn't that be fun? Why do you want to do that? Because you want to be good. Because you want to be good to somebody, right? Over and over, I've heard Christians say, I just want to help people. I want to be good. I want to be a blessing. 
And I thought, well, no wonder why the enemy is trying to keep everybody broken, poor, and have nothing to give. Because he knows that your heart is, I want to be good to somebody. I want to be good to somebody that really needs some kindness being shown in their lives. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe that's one thing. I, I believe that there is, I believe that we have been in some situations, kind of like Job, that the devil has been trying to get people to abandon God, to abandon faith, and God is trying to get people to pass their test, to hang in there, to worship, to remember his goodness, because the end result is God knows that he wants us to be like him and to be generous and to be kind. And then he's going to put resources in our hands. You know, it doesn't just apply to financial things, but, you know, think about it. How many times that there are some of us that we got really excited about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we got real thrilled about that, and we worked. We took the classes. We paid thousands of dollars. We read books. We did all kinds of things. Why? Because we wanted to be a blessing to somebody else, because we wanted to be good to somebody else. And we wanted to release the goodness of God through spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. You know, and it's so much fun. It's so much fun to lay hands on the sick and watch them get healed. It's so much fun to watch somebody get free from oppression and, and to watch somebody's needs being met through the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Anything at all that is good inside of us comes from His influence, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, what? And goodness. Anything good. You know what? The only thing good in us comes from the Lord. So that heart that you have to be a good parent, the heart that you have to be a good employee, the heart that you have to be kind to friends, to family, to co-workers, the heart you have to do that, that's all coming from the influence of the Lord upon your heart. Because, you know what, we become like what we worship, right? And we worship the Lord for He is good, and guess what? He makes us good people. He does. We worship Him because He is generous and He is kind. He makes us generous and kind to other people. All right. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians, last scripture, chapter 1. Second Thessalonians 1. You know, God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's, he's good to people that don't deserve it. Right? He's... He shows tremendous mercy and kindness to people who are not serving him. He is good, that's who he is, but his loving kindness is towards covenant people. For 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11. To this end also we pray for you always, that our God would count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I know that God has put within all of our hearts a desire to be good to people, a desire to be a blessing to others. I agree with this prayer, and I pray for you that God will count you worthy of your calling, that he'll fulfill every desire that you have to show goodness. All the, the, the things you want to do. You want to see people healed. You want to see them delivered. You want to see their needs met. 
you want to be there to comfort, to aid, I pray that God will fulfill every desire that you have for goodness. Hallelujah. So that he will be glorified. Because what's going to happen when God puts within your hands the ability to be kind and good to someone else? You've got the word. You've got the provision. You've got the whatever that you've got to be able to, to be kind and bless somebody else. When God does that, who gets glorified? He does, right? You know, people have, they, in a ministry setting, they come and they say, you know, that word you gave me, that word you preached, that, that thing you said to me, that, that helped me so much. That made such a positive difference in my life. You know what? What's our response? Well, praise God. Because anything good within us has come from Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I ask, Lord God, that you would give us a revelation of your goodness and a revelation of your loving kindness. That, Father God, that we'd be a people who expect and anticipate that goodness and loving kindness follows us all the days of our lives. Father God, that we'd be a people who have strong confidence that, Lord, that we're not fearful, we're not in doubt, we're not worried, but, Lord God, we worship and we praise you for you are kind for you are cordial, for you are loyal, for you are benevolent to us, Father God. And I ask, Lord God, that we will be a people that have been so marked by your character that even people in the world would see the light of your glory, the light of your goodness on the inside of us. That, Lord God, that, we would, that as we would love our enemies and we'd pray for those who persecute us and, and we'd just heap coals upon people's heads as we are sanctifying them with the good that we're showing them. That, Lord God, that we're overcoming evil with good, that we're showing kindness and mercy. That, Lord God, that you are being glorified. And may this draw many more people to you, Lord God. May there be a lot of people who seek your face. Hallelujah. As you are glorified in the midst of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252 Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.